0: This is Hockey Central on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome inside Hockey Central at noon. Of course, we're going early today. Logan and I started at 10 a.m. this morning. We're leading you right into first pitch, Blue Jays and Rays, just after one o'clock here on Sportsnet 960 and Sportsnet Television. As a very uh, important game for the Blue Jays today. They look out to close out a uh, three-game set with a series victory uh, with a win this afternoon after a 4-2 victory in Game 2 last night. Julian Merriweather will be the starting pitcher, the opener, as it were, for the Blue Jays today. And uh, look forward to that game coming up in about an hour's time here on your radio and on television. My name is Will Nault. He is Logan Gordon. We're live from the iconic Electric and Controls home and downtown studios and uh, earlier today, GM Bradshaw Living spoke with the media as uh, the official kickoff training camp has opened for the Flames. It's opened across many NHL cities, and uh, we've got a lot of chew on over the next hour as uh, not only have training camps open, but with the opening of training camp, you've seen some RFAs and some significant RFAs sign contracts. Or react to all that and more as the hour continues. But it is Hockey Central, and we have started Hockey Central, which means it's time to talk to Lou.
1: Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca.
0: My friend, a pleasure as always. Uh, how are you, sir?
1: I I am great. Uh, we had a great time yesterday, didn't we?
0: That's where I was uh, going to kick things off. Over one hundred forty-three thousand dollars raised. Lou, uh, you and I were out there hacking it up, but uh, nonetheless, we were uh, happy to be out there. And uh, I want again, just a, a terrific. Hats off to the Flames, the Plains Foundation. It was a fabulous event, and uh, we had a we had a great time yesterday at Country Hills.
1: Yeah, we certainly did. It was uh, awesome just to see you in person for the first time in a long time and catch up and have some visits and see people's faces. And uh, I know that you share this yourself. Um, You know, the group of guys that I played with yesterday, they put up with one of the worst golf performances in the history of the sport. That coming from me. Um, And they were just, they were so much fun and so kind and so gracious. Logan, I do have one question for you, hmm. um, because I, I'm I'm curious how that all went down when I actually hit <laughs> one of my three good shots of the day live on the radio.
2: You know what? It worked out pretty well, actually. We could hear you with a little bit of analysis uh, as you were uh, getting ready, and then a, a, a nice silence from the, the audience waiting for you to hit it. And uh, an actual very large cheer for what I believe in. what you said was one of your best shots of the day yesterday.
1: (laughs) It was. I was absolutely (laughs) putrid yesterday with a capital P. I had not taken a club out of my bag all summer long. And uh, it showed. But we had an amazing time. Um, It was so much fun. And, again, it just showed what Calgary and and area can be all about in terms of you know donations and how they get behind great causes
0: it's funny you mentioned that Lou because I also had a fabulous group and it's funny because uh, you know Lou and Lou and I were out there is as, as of course uh, you know kind of the the, the the caddy of the group had our last names on their uh, on their sweaters and uh, I hit a good shot finally on like hole 12 and the guys that I was playing with laughed, and they said, "It's about time you did something for the team." We we're ready to rip that name off the caddy's sweater. So, uh, yeah, it yep. was uh, it was a fun day, and uh, I know certainly uh, it's not about the golf; it's about the money, it's about the fun, it's about the laughs, and uh, we certainly had no shortage of that yesterday. And and Lou, I know talking to some people that have been around that, of course, that was the 40th edition of that tournament, and uh, it was uh, you know for the first time in a while, fabulous weather. I know it was a little windy, but. Uh, it was a beautiful day as well, which uh, you can't argue with.
1: Yeah, great course. Greens in incredible shape over at Country Hills. Not that that mattered when you play like I do. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, so I, I've I have played in that event enough times. Certainly not forty, not even anywhere close. But you know, I'm probably getting in and around ten at this point. And I know one thing: there's been a lot of days with sleet and snow and. <laughs> rain and one year that i don't even think we were able to do it um so yeah it it uh, mother nature worked things out quite quite nicely yesterday
0: Okay, uh, Brad Treleving spoke with the media earlier today about an hour ago. We heard it live right here on Sportsnet 960. If you missed it, you want to go back and hear it. It's available on our website, sportsnet.ca slash 960. We'll get to some of those particulars and what we heard from the GM in just a second. But Lou, I, I think it was you who asked the GM this question yourself. But uh, just you're, you're looking back now at rookie camp. What, uh, what are some of your big takeaways the last five, six days? And I guess those two games against the Oilers as well mixed
1: in. Well, you know, not to deliver this because I just had the question answered from the general manager. Um, but, you know, I saw it in a very similar way. You know, when you attend those events, you have to judge individuals differently. You know, there's 18 year olds, there's 24 year olds. And um, so you have different expectations. But, you know, as Brad put it very eloquently, the players that they were hoping were going to be good players whether it was zary pelche dustin wolf i'm um, not surprised at all will that martin Pospassil's name came up as logan knows we certainly touched on him for four or five minutes and see great improvement and obviously the gm um is on the same page where that is concerned so you know and and the other takeaway is we were really worried. I know I was about the state of Connor Zeri, but it sounds yeah. like it is uh, more day-to-day rather than 23-year-old defenseman Johannes Shinval out of Sweden who spent the last number of leagues, years in the Swedish Hockey League and has put up good numbers on defense, right-handed shooter. And he is week-to-week, and it sounds long-term, but Zeri day-to-day.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because uh, you know, I heard you guys on the broadcast actually when that happened, and uh, you know, w- as we know, anybody who's played hockey knows those skate boots don't have a lot in terms of uh, you know armor, and uh, it sounds like he went down in a heap, and you don't like to see that. But uh, as the GM mentioned, as you just talked about, they avoid some uh, some serious injury there with him. Knock on one that all things uh, go well with his swelling and. He's able to be back on the ice here in the next couple of days with the main group. His camp is set to get underway with on-ice sessions tomorrow. 63 players in camp will be split into three groups, and they will hit the ice tomorrow beginning at 9 a.m., 11 a.m. for the second group, and 1 p.m. for the th- third group, all sessions, of course, at the Scotiabank Saddle Outside of that, Lou, uh, you know, we'll get to your clip here in a second, but what else uh, jumped out to you
1: from, uh, from the GM here that we heard about uh, an hour ago? Um, probably a couple of things would be, and not surprising, because we've chatted about this, that, you know, they're not ready to name a new captain and a successor yeah. to Mark Giordano, that that is likely, you know, going to be an organic process, which, you know, doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, they've obviously, according to Brad, he and Daryl in particular have spent a lot of time talking about it. So, you know, that was interesting to hear because, you know, when you're around the group and you have a pretty decent feel most of the time that, you know, I, I certainly am not surprised in the least. In fact, I won't even be surprised if we're a little ways into the season before that happens. Um, but we'll see how that plays itself out. Um, and number two would be, just the state of health of, you know, two pretty key people and Sean Monahan and Noah Hannafin, who both required off-season surgery and surgeries. And they're both progressing incredibly well. Could even see them tomorrow. Uh, I had heard through the grapevine that for Noah in particular, not as much Sean, that we might see them later in the preseason rather than earlier And it does sound like that is very possible for both guys in what is an eight-game, yes I repeat, eight-game preseason schedule starting Sunday at the Saddle Dome.
0: He's Peter Labardius, he joins us every single day on this program to kick off Hockey Central and right now it's an hour earlier as we're getting set for the Blue Jays and Rays at one o'clock. My name is Will Nault, he is Logan Gordon.
2: Lou, uh, any surprises on that training camp roster? We finally got the list. I know me and Will had mentioned this earlier. Um, It's not unlikely or unusual for the Flames to bring in a a PTO or two to camp, but as you and me and, and Telly had talked about earlier this week, it doesn't feel like there's that many jobs up in the air as it is heading into this training camp. So I guess maybe we shouldn't be so surprised that we don't see any PTOs.
1: No, I'm not surprised. I will say when that list came out just after 10 o'clock this morning, that's the first thing that I scanned through to take a peek at, to see if there were were any surprises. And as we even found out last year, well, this year, I guess, sorry about referring to it, a camp that started in late, (laughs) in early January. But, you know, Brett Ritchie was a guy who came on, to the scene a little later so it's not like it can't happen but no logan it it didn't and, and i think you make a great point this this is a, a camp where you know we're going to see if some some good young people truly push and and i i do think this said it yesterday i'll repeat it there's yet to be a camp i've ever attended and i don't know how many nhl camps i've Attended now in my career, there's always one or two guys that jump out. Always. You know, we've seen it a couple of years ago. Dylan Dubey. I've yet to be at one where, you know, maybe they don't even make the opening day roster, but they sure elevate themselves to a spot where you truly go, this guy's going to play. And that's going to happen again. That's going to happen again over the next, you know, couple of weeks. Um, so, you know, we'll see where that goes. But there's not a lot of jobs, um, certainly on the surface. And I truly believe that's the reason why, you know, you don't see really any extra PTOs at this point.
2: I guess it'll be interesting to see tomorrow what the groups look like specifically when we start hitting the ice because – We don't get a a good understanding of that just yet. We hear from the general manager. We won't hear from any of the players today. But do you have an expectation of what we'll see from these groups going forward from what Daryl is going to try to accomplish when they separate? Because it's such a a big number of guys to start off with camp. When you're talking about, I think we'll do the math, 60 or 63 players in camp. How do you separate and, and evaluate in this kind of training camp environment?
1: Well, the way you somewhat separate and, you know, every practice there's going to be certain things that you see, whether it's certain pairings, certain duos, certain combinations. You know, the groups are structured with a reason and a purpose. But I always say this, um, you know, I know there's always a great fascination and there probably will be again tomorrow that – you know who's going to play with who and who's in each group and and Logan I would just say like like temper that a little bit you know mm-hmm. we want to we want to read things in um I'm going to be more in the read and react mode when we get down to much smaller numbers and frankly when it gets to the point where you basically not even so much in preseason, but more so in practices where you're going to have practices. I truly feel that are going to be, you know, your group. Then I'm going to be more focused at who's playing who and and where we're going. But as of tomorrow, yeah, for sure. You know, it's 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 going to be fun to talk about. It's going to be, you know, fun to see some of the groupings and. But, again, just don't don't read too much into it because, you know, let's – as a matter of fact, this is a perfect time because I asked Brad Trelaving this morning. You guys heard it and ran it already. But I said and asked him, you know, with, with a new coach at the helm for a start of the training camp, you have a bunch of new faces here. Um, you know, you have some newcomers. I asked Brad, between now and opening day, what is he looking for? And what are they truly hoping to accomplish?
3: When you have new people, it's role identification. Maybe who's going to play for who, with whom. I think is you, um, you know, the one thing I think is going to be a real benefit for this team is having a full camp with Daryl. So, you know, the, the way we want to play, I know he's been talking to, the, you know, there's been lots of communication with the players throughout the course of the season. We've had pretty much our group here for the last, you know, two to three weeks. Um... You know, so there's been lots of dialogue um, and that's really what you want to use the, the, the preseason for is getting people that are new uh, acclimated to, to the group um, finding their roles and, and building your team it takes time to build your team in terms of where everybody fits and job responsibilities and, and job descriptions um, and so that's really the next two weeks we want to see coming out of camp
1: So if I had to categorize You know, what I'm looking for most in camp Mm -hmm. is to see not just who might push, but I'm way more interested in the internal competition. That's what it is for me.
2: What do you, I guess, what do you want to hear from Daryl tomorrow? What are you excited to hear about? From Daryl tomorrow when he speaks at the beginning of, of his first training camp in a long time here in Calgary, I know we we get the GM and and he has a you know a tough job because he can't and doesn't want to operate entirely through the media. It's a little different for for Daryl who you know is just dealing with day to day things within the organization. What are you expecting or what are you wanting to hear when you uh, speak to the head coach tomorrow?
1: I don't think there's anything necessarily that I want to hear that I'm specifically waiting to hear uh, I'm I'm more interested in you know I think there are going to be practices that are very purposeful with great pace um, you know there's going to be a lot of corrections with things that aren't exactly how Daryl and the coaching staff want them to be um, you know the one thing about Daryl and you know I've known him for a long time and obviously reunited last year when he took over again as the head coach. Logan, there's there's not going to be anything new. And I don't mean that negatively at all. That's like Daryl knows exactly what he wants. He knows what he's looking for. He knows exactly how he wants this team to play. He knows what the personnel is. And so for me, it's not about hearing from the coach. It's about watching the players react coming into a year where they know exactly what they're getting into and how are they going to respond to that having a summer to take some time to have gotten to know daryl gone through it you know for the veteran guys and and truly understand and that's why it's going to be helpful too to have you know people like brad richardson and trevor lewis because like what what nuances are there going to be for them? I mean, that's why, that's why they're here, too. Because a big part of this process that, you know, it's been talked about, but not completely, is, and, and I believe this with my whole heart, you know, coaches, coaches are, are looked at so importantly, and they should be. But the truth of the matter is, and I've, I've dealt with a million of them in my time, you're in really good shape when the coach gets the message to the key people in your group, and then they kind of run the room based on that. That's, that's really, guys, you, you might agree, you might disagree, and that's fine. But, but to me, that's as a group when you're in good – when you're in really good stead is things are laid out, the group gets it, they, they're on the same page – they hold one another accountable to the standards that is set by the staff, and and you're not going to have to uh, you're not going to have to wonder what expectations are of the team and each individual with Daryl at the helm. I mean, it's just yeah. that's what he does. That's his strength. Um, that's what's allowed him to be successful.
0: I was going to – that's kind of what I was going to mention. You led me perfectly there, Lou, and that is the fact that, you know, the the GM was asked a lot about change and how you probably didn't get as much change or do as much change to this roster as you maybe had hoped at the end of last season when we heard from you and you talked about the need for change. And and now you are, outside of a few pieces, essentially running back with this exact same core, and that's the one thing that he made mention of. And and you go back to last season – when you heard from daryl Sutter about you know the lack of goals or the fact that this team really didn't have much of a, a direction or, or or anything you know in terms of, to work towards and uh you know you heard that from the gm today he thinks that you know one of the biggest changes for this team will be having a full training camp under daryl Sutter to what you just talked about where you know expectations are going to be pretty straightforward
1: yeah they are and and that's that's it, and that's why Logan's question was a good one, and your response and now question is an excellent one too because uh, I do. I, I think this now is all about, you know, this is truly Daryl's team in terms of, you know, the coach, the direction, where he wants it to go. Um, You know, he told us on several accounts that last year that, the team needed to play differently. There needed to be a clear and defined standard. Well, that opportunity is here and now, and we'll see how these players respond. Lou, well, great stuff. As
0: always, my friend, it'll be uh, – this is kind of right in your wheelhouse. Uh, a day of three on-ice sessions, bang, 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 tomorrow and uh, and Friday, and then, of course, the preseason game on Sunday – uh, it's finally here. Training camp is finally here. I know yeah. uh, by by some accounts, as it was a shorter off season, but uh, it felt like the last two weeks dragged on to get to this point. Now we're uh, we're finally here on on what is I guess the official
1: eve of training camp. You know who I'm happy for? You guys, because, yeah. because now now you legitimately not that you didn't in the past, because I mean that's you know that's the separator the separator of you know, great radio and great TV is. What do you do when it's not easy? But but I know what an unbelievable grind it can be. So yeah, let's enjoy ourselves and you know, it's it's going to be a journey this year. I know that in every way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah, and I know you're excited like, like us to get back to an 82 game schedule and, and to play everybody. That's uh, that's going to be certainly a great change and we're happy to see that we're back on the October timeline for the start of the season. Lou, enjoy the rest of your day, pal. I know that uh, we'll hear from you on Hockey
1: Central tomorrow. Sounds great. Have a good one, guys. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca.
0: I don't want to put Riley on the on the spot. We'll maybe get the audio for later on this hour, but a uh, text came in during the middle of that hit with Lou and said, did Tree Living say anything about Parsons? Yes, Tyler Parsons not on the uh, training camp roster of 63. Uh, the GM did address that, and I don't want to miss, uh, misrepresent what he said, so we'll uh, try and get that audio for you and uh, get the explanation from the GM as to why Parsons was not here or won't be here for training camp. He will be in Stockton later on, this month when the Heat opened up their training camp but is not in Calgary. We'll get the uh, full detailed answer because I don't want to misrepresent what uh, True Living said a little bit later on in this hour. Lots happening across the NHL training camps are opening. And uh, with that, we've got some RFAs that are now crossed off the board. We'll talk about that and more as we continue. It's Hockey Central live from the iconic electric and controls downtown and home studio. Hockey Central continues on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It is Hockey Central on your Wednesday. It's at noon, which means at 1 o'clock, we're off to the Rays and the Blue Jays from Tropicana Field. Julian Merriweather will serve as the team's opener today. You can also watch it, of course, on Sportsnet Television. He's Logan Gordon. My name is Will Malt. A reminder, coming up tomorrow on The Big Show, Pat Steinberg will take you through another classic game of trivia he gets the listeners involved and every thursday during the big show you listen in for name that flame we will drop hints every hour throughout the show listeners must text in with which flames player we are referring to at 960-960. the clues start out very broad and they get more specific as the show goes on i believe logan we've had back-to-back weeks though where the very first clue Someone has already gotten the correct answers, so uh, we'll look to keep that streak going tomorrow in Name That Flame. We randomly select a winner from the pool of correct answers, and that winner receives a Wild Rose Brewery branded fire pit and a six-pack of beer. For more details, you can go to sportsnet.ca slash 960. Name That Flame, brought to you by Wild Rose Brewery. Celebrating 25 years of standing by Alberta through wins and losses, all while serving up premium craft beer. Join us at the taproom or from the comfort of your home during the next big game. Calgary Flames, like many others today, having their GM speak to the media as physical testing and medicals ongoing at Winsport for the Flames. They'll hit the ice tomorrow. 63 players on their training camp roster. One player who was not on the training camp roster was goaltender Tyler Parsons and uh, Brad Trilling addressed that with the media uh, about an hour and a half ago
3: um there's two players uh absent on our roster right now with just quick updates Tyler Parsons um will not participate in training camp uh, he was unable to satisfy quarantine regulations in terms of traveling for 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 international travel um And so he won't participate here in Calgary at the training camp. He would also talk about Daniil Chechlev, who uh,
0: is going through some visa issues, I believe, who uh, they signed uh, to play in North America for the first time this season. So Tyler Parsons did not meet quarantine or uh, protocol regulations for international travel. He will uh, join the Stockton Heat Camp in Stockton later on this month and into October I think many anticipated him to be in Stockton anyways. So uh, the team uh, not having Tyler Parsons at camp and uh, 63 players, seven goaltenders, 21 defensemen, and 35 forwards as uh, they begin their streak or their run of eight preseason games on Sunday against the Oilers at the Dome Monday. They are in Vancouver for an 8 o'clock puck drop. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's all starting real quick here. Logan, as uh, before we know it, we'll be into training camp and uh, preseason games for the Calgary Flames.
2: It happens very fast. So we've been talking about it in the rookie camp it was just kind of the precursor to all of this. And now, uh, I mean, Sunday, we're talking the first action of the year for people back at the Saddle Dome. It'll be nice to get that back. We'll be back to doing Flames broadcasts on 960 and really getting a feel over these next couple of weeks what the team is going to shape up like heading into the regular season in October. Uh, I'm excited for it. I think it's it feels like it's a shorter offseason than we are used to in the NHL, but it still felt like at times it dragged on as we were waiting for news. And now it's it's finally here. We can go through the daily debates of, of lineup combinations and who we see playing with who and breaking that all down and then you know evaluating performances in between on, on what we see in preseason games. So... Uh, it's a good time of year and we're finally at that point when we're ramping it up for the real thing
0: I think uh, Riley Pollock who's our producer back at the iconic downtown studio Riley are you a, are you a jersey and merchandise freak I, I don't really know what your uh, what your gauge is here
4: uh no not really a big merch guy um, I need to update basically every one of my uh, jerseys for all of my favorite teams right now i've been slacking
0: what's your uh what's your current Falcons jersey
4: uh michael Turner
0: Ooh. yeah you need you need to yeah. update that's that's brilliant. holy
4: yeah that's that's what i've been rocking Hit you
0: yourself with kyle pitt's jersey
4: mm, i don't know not convinced yet
0: who else oh really really
4: 76 yards yeah i don't
0: know your whole team is terrible so well take it out around. of kyle pitt's didn't want to get a ridley, ridley
4: jersey on him. i just i'd probably get a Ridley jersey or you know just go old school
0: I don't know though. Yeah. You're already
2: old school. I yeah, I yeah, basically you got am. Michael
0: Turner. Yeah, you know need old school. Yeah.
4: Maybe Ridley. We'll see.
0: Well, anyways, the reason I bring that up uh, is because, courtesy Greg washinsky of ESPN, the Seattle Kraken, uh, whoever was in charge of their logo, of their merchandise, uh, of the design, they need a massive, massive raise because on Fanatics retail platforms, the Kraken sold more merchandise. On their launch day, than the Golden Knights sold for their first two months combined after their merch launch in 2017. So, uh, again, two back to back expansion teams four years apart. The Seattle Kraken selling more merchandise on their launch day than the Golden Knights sold for the first two months combined. After their launch of merchandise in two thousand seventeen, uh, that's a pretty big number because if we remember, the Golden Knights immediately were adopted and beloved in the city of Vegas, and I would suggest that's uh, that's pretty big news for the Seattle Crack and Logan.
2: It is. I, I first of all, it's, I'm sure the NHL loves hearing that that um, a, a new team like that has already made such yeah, a big that's kind impression. of what you want. It's exactly what you want. I think aside from hearing that season tickets and pre-sale and those things get sold out fast. That's pretty much the next thing you want to know is how well does that, you know, appeal to the fan base. And clearly they've, they've nailed it. I'm surprised to see such a wide gap in it. I, I didn't think there was anything wrong with the Vegas uh, unveil when they did it. I thought it was a good group of merchandising, but, Maybe there's some lessons learned over the next couple of years that Seattle was able to take and execute a little bit better. I do like the Kraken logo. Um, I, I think the jerseys and everything pops on it really nicely, and I think it's easy for people to to pick up and, and want to uh, wear that sort of color scheme. But I'm curious if if that's a, a case of you know the NHL in Seattle really capitalizing on having a couple of years From the vegas expansion to see how they can better market themselves and be out there and i think they did a good job of that and having guys come out when they did the expansion draft in those jerseys and you know you can immediately start if you're a fan oh you know they picked mark Jordano. i can't wait to get a number five jersey you finally see it i think all that adds to it but clearly they've done a good job with it and capitalizing on that momentum of
0: seattle coming in uh in year one It's funny you mentioned Giordano and uh, you know, I think for a lot of people in Calgary, they're wondering about, uh, you know, what that season looks like for him. Uh, Of course, the return is circled. I would imagine for a lot of fans, Uh, December 23rd, the Kraken will make their first regular season visit to the dome. Uh, Text came in says, I'm taking my kid to the first uh, Seattle Kraken preseason game. Any chance Gio will be there. Do you think? And uh, I would answer that with saying no chance. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say no chance, but if I was to uh, to look at it, I'd say probably a less than 5% chance. First of all, veterans don't really travel in the preseason, and I, I just don't know if, if Jordano will be here. But again, I, I could be wrong on that. I, I, I couldn't see a world where he's here, but if I was a betting man, I would say that he makes his first visit to Calgary December 23rd, and not September 29th. That's just uh, that's just my guess, Logan. Are you on the same page, or, or I, you do you see yeah. it being here September 29th? No, I'd be surprised. I think
2: your first point is the most valid one, that uh, the veterans just don't generally travel in those. It's usually for your young guys or your uh, up-and-comers to take those on and go on the road. But secondly, I think that there's probably an understanding from the organizations on both sides that uh, that first return for the player is going to be special and I'm not saying it wouldn't be special for him to come back in the preseason, but I don't think it will have the, the weight and the gravity that it will on December 23rd, a few months into the season uh, for Gio to make his regular season return to Calgary in front of uh, the fans. I I think that they like to wait those things out and, and do it properly. And the flames will have the videos and all that. And he'll get the welcome that he, he really deserves. I think that, They try to save those for regular season situations. The preseason, it it just, it frankly wouldn't be the same. And I don't think we see a lot of those. It it doesn't happen very often where your captain goes to a division rival, period. But uh, I I think they're just going to hold off and wait until the December 23rd game. It makes the most sense. And you can
0: really do it up special for his return there. Yeah, again, I don't want to say no chance because I've gotten myself into trouble by saying that in the past, but uh, I would say <laughs> probably a, a less than 5% yeah. chance. that unlikely, uh, for is sure. Here. Very, very unlikely. Um, 960, 960 is wide open. This says, have you touched on Markstrom's amazing mask? Again, it's hard on radio because we don't have the visual aid, but yes, mm. Jacob Markstrom's mask for the upcoming season. Uh, you may have seen it on Twitter. If not, you can go seek it out, but... Uh, it is. Flames Twitter it is account quite, has it, I believe. Yeah, it is, it is quite uh, special, and, and I do think he's uh, he's done it up right. I, I, I uh, I'm a big fan of Mark Markstrom's mask uh, for the upcoming season. Yeah, I'm in the
2: same camp. I, I like what he did. I uh, like you mentioned it's very hard to to visualize it on radio, but uh, if you do go seek out the video on the Flames Twitter account, you can see the nods to former Flames goaltenders' masks in there. One of Kippersoft's skulls is there. Some of the flames that uh, Trevor Kidd has used in previous years. Um, I, so I kind of like the the paying homage to former goaltenders in their own individual style. And bringing it together for one mask is pretty cool. So uh, Marstrom did a really good job. And that's, I mean, goaltender masks are one of those things that you can kind of geek out on. Uh, they've gotten so complex, and they're really an art form uh, nowadays. It's not just, you know basic masks anymore everybody's got a professionally done up one and markstrom's is one of the best uh, i've seen in a while and no surprise guys like to have those personal touches and those cool features on their masks
0: nowadays and then this one says i like how will talks trash about the falcons but he's a jets fan come on man first of all i wasn't (laughs) talking trash about the falcons i was talking trash about riley's jersey selections i was not talking trash about the falcons uh, I did say they've allowed 80 points because they have, which is the most in the NFL through two weeks. Uh, but yeah, the Jets have been dreadful for a long time, and uh, they've looked like uh, one of the worst teams, if not the worst team, in the NFL through two weeks. So uh, I was not talking trash about the Falcons. I was talking trash about the uh, the uh, Michael Turner jersey. Right? It would be a close That's, game. Uh,
4: yeah. I think yeah, they play. Would don't it they would play be. this year?
0: Maybe not. I think they do
4: but uh, the giants and Falcons is going to be the worst close game of the year.
0: So. yeah, I'll have that one on my, on my big screen for sure. On Sunday, I'll be uh, looking for <laughs> Falcons and the giants coming up on Sunday. Uh, Riles, by the way, I've said this a couple of times already today as uh, Cavalry FC is back at home tonight as, uh, they will take on Pacific FC in the Canadian championship quarterfinal at Atco field at Spruce Meadows, eight o'clock kickoff tonight under the lights. And, uh, I understand that you, my friend, are going to be taking in your very first Cavalry FC game tonight.
4: I sure am. I'm very excited for it. I've been wanting to go for a while and the opportunity finally popped up. And it's a big one tonight in the Canadian Championship. So can't think of a better better first game to go to.
0: Well, you're going to be there tonight. Looking uh, looking forward to hearing about your experience. I've been to a couple. They are awesome. The atmosphere is something that you will uh, have a, a great takeaway from tonight. You will love it, Riley. I know you'll be right there in the middle of it. And uh, Cavalry FC is looking forward to hosting Pacific FC tonight. Reminder, if you're going to the event, you need proof of COVID-19 vaccination or a negative test to attend the event for more information and for tickets go to cavalryfc.canpl.ca take a break when we come back we'll react to some of the rfa contracts that have been signed across the nhl the last couple of days and get you set blue jays and rays in about 15 minutes live right here on sportsnet 960 the fan just a few more minutes and then we'll hand things off to the uh Folks on the Blue Jays radio network, Ben Wagner and company, as the Blue Jays and Rays will close out a three-game set at Tropicana Field in Tampa. Jays with a 4-2 victory yesterday, which forces the rubber match today. And they come into action with a half-game lead on the New York Yankees. The Yankees in action against Texas this evening. And they're one and a half games back of Boston, who was uh, in action tonight as well. As the Boston Red Sox at home to the New York Mets, those two teams will do battle this weekend. The Yankees and the Red Sox, and then next week it's the Blue Jays and the New York Yankees for a set of three from Toronto and uh, courtesy of the boss. As uh, you know, coming up next Tuesday and next Thursday, we will take the Blue Jays and Yankees right from first pitch at five o'clock. Big Show moves from one until five. Instead of two to six, I guess Hockey Central remains at one, Big Show two to five, and uh, looking forward to uh, having the full games for you. Those two games could mean a lot or everything when it comes to the Blue Jays playoff chances. And I saw this stat courtesy our friends at uh, Tim and Friends over at Sportsnet. Um, not sure if you saw this, Logan, but what it uh, could mean for the future here as uh, we know that the Toronto market doesn't really get the love when it comes to playoff games and, and times of those games. Uh, of course, they got to get past though They first have got to make the playoffs. Second, they've got to get past the American league wildcard game, which at this point would be in Boston against the Red Sox. Uh, and if that all happens, they would have, of course, the five game divisional series against the Rays who are on pace to be the best seed in the American league this season the Blue Jays during day games are 37 and 17 and during night games are 48 and 49. So below 500 at night and a 685 win percentage during the day for the Blue Jays this season. And again, if history tells us anything, if they can get to that divisional series, there's a good chance those games happen during the day. So maybe that's a good thing for Toronto, but that's a pretty wide discrepancy, 685 during the day in terms of a win percentage and 495 at night this season for Toronto.
2: It's an interesting stat. It's just one of those ones that uh, I, I didn't even – take a long time to go through and figure them out and
0: actually come up with that stat. I don't know that it actually – Well, as the has, Tim and Friends crew asks, is it a super stat or a meaningless number? Which uh, which one do you yeah. think? yeah.
2: Uh, to me, it's kind of meaningless. I don't know that it actually has any effect or that if it, you know, the game times for a playoff game were set at a separate time that I'm all of a sudden picking against the Jays because of that. Uh, I think it's an interesting coincidence, and it's a neat thing to point out. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't actually affect how I think the, the team's performance is going to be affected by it. And I don't know about you, but I, if the Jays were set at a certain time for a playoff series or a wild card game, I wouldn't look into that as a deciding factor as to who's
0: going to come out on top. We'll see if it means anything. And again, there's a lot of steps that have to happen before you even get to that point because they've got to win the wild card game, they've got to make the playoffs, and then uh, and then we'll see if they get those afternoon games and if it means anything uh, for a potential five game or best of five series against the uh, Rays in the divisional series. Before we get to uh, the Blue Jays, just quickly, did you see Conor McGregor's? Uh, first pitch last night
2: Uh, if you want to call it a pitch then yes i did see it uh i don't know what issue he had with the camera guy there that he wanted to throw a fastball at his head but holy man and i had some people saying dude he's in a tight suit that's why he can't throw straight like i don't buy that at all that was
0: awful yeah it was pretty bad riles thoughts on conor mcgregor's first pitch
4: I'm starting to think that he just does stuff to stay in the media. Like, there's no way you...
0: Because he knew that people would be talking about yeah, it. So if like, he I'm going an... to absolutely butcher this.
4: If he threw a nice pitch down the middle, who's talking about it? Like, it's just another opening pitch. But the fact that he, you know, hit third base with it uh, gets people talking about him still. It's like throwing the drink at Machine Gun Kelly on the uh, red carpet the other week. It's, it, it's just a stay in the headlines. I think I'm um, conspiracy theory Connor Conor McGregor.
0: All right, there's your take from Riley Pollock, the Michael Turner jersey owner himself, uh, letting you know what he thinks of what Conor McGregor's first pitch. Uh, Boys, before we get to the Jays and Rays, it is Hockey Central. Uh, RFAs crossed off the board. Kirill Kaprizov, Rasmus Dahlin, the last two big names. Robert Thomas, also the St. Louis Blues, getting signed within the last 24 hours. And you look at the list of remaining RFAs, it's a pretty small one. You got the two in Vancouver. You've got Brady Kachuk in Ottawa and Kiefer Bellows in New York with the Islanders, who barely played last season. So you're wondering what the holdup is there. But uh, the two in Vancouver and Brady Kachuk, the last three big names when it comes to RFAs, is uh, that list has significantly shrunk the last 24 hours, Logan.
2: It certainly has, and uh, now the focus is squarely on those two Canadian markets for different reasons. And uh, obviously, the Brady side of things is sort of, if you believe Matthew, following a family tradition about being somewhat of a a pain in the backside about uh, negotiating, and you know, wanting to make sure that you get all your details down and make sure that the GM knows that you're a Kachuk and you're going to be tough to negotiate with. So. I, I think that gets done. I think the Senators have more than enough money and more than enough reasons to pay Brady Kachuk uh, enough to satisfy him. They just got to get through the, I, I guess, hyper or whatever you want to call the the Kachuk negotiating stance around it. Um, I, I think that one gets done. The Vancouver one for me is – is vastly more complicated and more difficult uh, when you talk about you know how much money they're actually going to have for these guys. I don't think the Kaprizov contracted them any favors when it comes to getting Elias Peterson uh, signed next season. And uh, going forward, I still think they're in uh, some big cap trouble. So for me, well, when you talk about Vancouver and starting training camp without potentially your two best players and, No real light on the end of the tunnel as of right now. You've got to be worried. This is a big season for Jim Benning and that group there. They spent a lot and did a lot this offseason to try to get better. Uh, But none of that matters if Pedersen and Hughes aren't there uh, because you're not going anywhere without those two signed up long term. So.
0: So there you go. Some of the biggest names are uh, crossed off the board, and I'm with you when it comes to comparables. have uh, only the one year under his belt. But, uh, yeah, if you're Pedersen's camp, you're looking at that and saying, why can't we get five times nine, which is what have got in Minnesota. Uh, we'll see how that unfolds, and uh, it sounds like there was no updates and really nothing to to read off of when it comes to uh, what we heard from both Jim Benning and Pierre Dorian in their media availabilities today with uh, the Ottawa and Vancouver media. So uh, we'll keep an eye on those. Training camps are opening. Those remain the biggest unsigned pieces of the respective teams. And uh, we're just happy to have the training camps back. Preseason games will begin this weekend. The Flames will kick off their preseason schedule on Sunday. More on the Flames and takeaways from Brad True Living later on today as after the Blue Jays game. Uh, Pat Steinberg and Andrew the Hustler Patterson will take over with the big show at four o'clock or four thirty, depending on the timing of the Jays game. As uh, that's where we go next for Logan Gordon and Riley Pollock. Uh, I am Will Nalt. We'll say goodbye. We'll hear from you tomorrow. We'll talk to you tomorrow. And coming up next is the Blue Jays and the Rays, the series finale from Tropicana Field in Tampa. First pitch is next, right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.